Welcome to Not the Only Kids in the Hall podcast. Up until the last, up until a couple days ago, we were the only Kids in the Hall podcast, and then we found out that there was another Kids in the Hall podcast. So, so we were, were never the only Kids in the Hall. I was going to say, Nick, only to be psychologically, clear. we believe that about ourselves, which is kind That's of a different right. thing. We truly were not. We just were well, too stupid to do any research. We did research. I googled so hard for other Kids in the Hall podcasts, and I couldn't find you any. You googled at least once. <laughs> Um, but no, we were literally called not the only kids in the hall. Or we were literally called the only kids in the hall podcast until earlier this week. Like that was the title. Yeah, it was. And it was, that, man. Did you guys have to change your name uh, when you discovered the other one? Like, if I were you, I would have just kept the name only the only kids in the hall podcast. We discussed we, that, but we thought it would be disrespectful <laughs> to them. <laughs> no, I do think the premise of this entire the reason this podcast exists is because Nick contacted me and Jared and said. Hey, there aren't any other kids in the hall podcast out there. Want to start one? So I don't know. Maybe it would have been an homage. (laughs) So really, yeah. So Nick basically just fooled you guys into doing a podcast. That's right. That's right. Um, Nick and two fools watch kids in the hall. We should shout out the other podcast. It's called Kith and Tell. That's why I couldn't find it because Kids in the Hall is not in the name Mm. of the show. It's just called Kith and Tell. It's a better name. Oh, that that's my podcast. (laughs) <laughs> oh, whoa. Oh, whoa. Awkward. Can we be on it? Awkward. No. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. Nah. You're, you're right. We you're right. right. Know. Well, we should introduce everyone. I'm Nick Ramirez. Uh, our, my co-hosts are Jared Emick and Amay Lutkin. And today Woo. we have a special guest, Michael Jastro. Uh, he's, uh, he's one of the founders of Coal Town Theater in Austin, Texas, and uh, one of the, the main guy behind the Victrola sketch comedy podcast. Um, do you have any other credits you want me to mention right now, Joshua? Uh, I, uh, I, I was in a post office commercial uh, that wow. that that got pulled uh, because it was called uh, uh, in the run up to the election. It was for uh, it was for like electioneering, and it was called Deliver the Win, and it got pulled uh, in the run up to the twenty twenty election. Wow! Wow! Yeah, you still get paid? Was, no, 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank you, President Trump. <laughs> you didn't me. even get paid for like your it, fitting and the day yeah, of no, work. It, it it had been running for like a, a year, so I, I made some money. But I was I was scheduled to make more until the whole uh, voter, uh, 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 the whole. I mean, this you guys go ahead cool, say it. Cool. The hoax, the you hoax guys. that stole the election. You can say it, it here. We're all friends here. We all like minded. I just wanted to make sure we were all cool and <laughs> know that Biden didn't win the election. <laughs> Oh, God. Just want to make sure we're all on the same page with that. Yeah, we like to have guests on and just see what they say and then roll with it. <laughs> well, we have to agree. They're the guest after all. Yeah. Let's uh let's let's talk about Let's pivot. Uh, Good idea, Nick. Yeah. I I hope I hope this doesn't like a transcript of this doesn't get out. It's like so when you google my name it's like uh like the first link that comes up is like uh, insurrectionist or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, and we all know Jastro's choking, right, Jastro? Right. Yes. Yeah, well, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna punctuate everything I say with just kidding. Uh, okay. <laughs> but right, like uh, a, like a good comedian. But Jastro, uh, we want to talk to you about the kids in the hall. Did you? Yeah. You were. Uh, you, how old were you when the kids in the hall was airing? When when you were 
watching Kids in the Hall growing when up. When it first came out, uh, I'm I actually looked this up earlier. I think I was uh, 12, so I would have been like in the sixth grade uh, or something like that. And luckily, my family had HBO, uh, so you know I was able to uh, uh, kind of do a. <laughs> I was able to watch it before I really could appreciate it, maybe. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, like, I, I definitely, and I don't know it's because if it's because I, I taught too much improv over the years, but even though I watched a, a lot of these episodes obsessively, uh, I have almost, like, going back and watching this episode, I have almost no recollection of uh, all but, like, two of the sketches, even though I know I've seen that this episode, like, a hundred times. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a common experience we're all having where like either you don't have any recollection of what you're seeing or something comes back and it's like, oh my God, <laughs> I <forgot laughs> yeah. about this. Uh, you, uh, you, you, run, you have this uh, sketch comedy cod pa- podcast called Victrola. Mm-hmm. Do you, would you say it's like influenced at all by Kids and All? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who are well, your influences then? Well, yeah. yeah. Well, no, I mean, well, I guess like I, I, I'm sure like uh, Kids in the Hall in terms of like my uh, sense of humor, there's a huge component of that that's kind of made up my DNA. I mean, but Victrola, you know, is is improv except I cut out the parts that that aren't funny. Uh, so so like in the kids in the hall, they all came from an improv background. Uh, but uh, you know, they're, I, I and I don't remember if they used improv to develop their sketches. Uh, a little but, bit. A little bit. None yeah. of them. It really seems like it to me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The ones with the ones I where it's that like today. Actually, anyway, go ahead. go ahead. No, well, that's. I mean, it's interesting watching them because it's. I mean, so much of sketch now, and I don't know if it's like UCB influences. Like, uh, you know, in the first two lines, you get a clear, almost like spoon-fed. Here's the premise, and then it plays out. And and a lot of kids in the hall sketches is just kind of like weird comedic tone poems a lot of the time so you definitely get the feeling of like their their improv background uh, yeah that's a the, good way of putting it comedic yeah. tone poems yeah and, and not every because like plenty of them have solid premises but a lot of them you're kind of like uh you know there's there's a lot of them like where where it's very much like feels like an snl sketch but so many of them it's just like this weird universe that they've kind of created and it's like is this going anywhere it's funny but it it doesn't like you know it doesn't have that (laughs) i think we all know you're talking about the robbery sketch (laughs) (laughs) yeah boy they yeah well we'll get into it i don't don't, don't want to We'll get into that one, but J- Jastro, yeah. I did want to, before I get to the sketches, yeah. uh, you uh, were an assistant for the Kids in the Hall for like a week when they were touring and they played in Austin, right? Yeah, my... Goss, my imp- we want Goss. Uh, well, okay, I'll give you guys all the, the hot Goss. Uh, yeah, uh, like it was maybe one of... Because they, they are definitely like, you know, one of my first uh, growing up comedy crushes. Uh, uh, and uh, my, my improv partner, uh, uh, Irene White, uh, who you can see on NBC Superstore. Uh, she uh, she was in a sketch show with Bruce McCullough, and they were coming to town, and, uh, you know, she, she kind of put out a call, uh, or uh, does anyone have any experience being a writer's assistant? And, like, I'd, I'd previously worked in magazines, and I'd been in writer's rooms a ton, uh, uh, but I also kind of bullshitted my way in. Like, yeah, I've worked professionally as a writer's assistant, knowing that the job description was something I could handle. Uh and, uh, you know, they, uh, I got the job and, and, you know, it, uh, uh, and then, you know, I pitched like five, like, 
you know, I rewrote their script and, uh, you know, pitched a bunch. No, not really. I basically, like, <laughs> I, was gonna, I was like, whoa, I hope no. that's a joke. Whoa, what's going on? No, no. I, I mean, it was, it was, you know, it was like secretarial work. I was, I was basically like jotting down the, the jokes and the punch-ups that they were making and trying to keep track of script changes and all that kind of, uh, writer's assistant stuff. But it was, uh, it was, it was pretty amazing because I got to like, you know, it was a mix of new stuff and classic sketches and I got to, you know, watch them punch, uh, update their old material in real time and uh dave foley had to leave for a couple days uh and so i got to um uh, sit in on a couple rehearsals rehearsals and read dave foley's parts for like uh the chicken lady sketch uh uh and uh wow yeah chicken lady Uh, is a is a a hated sketch around here oh really (laughs) (laughs) she hasn't even come up yet i don't know why we Mike, Mike, was was the did they stick to a certain process? I mean, when when they brought in sketches, was there a sense like, okay, there's going to be a round of punch up with all of us or like, you know, we'll talk about it. And then the original writers, you know, take it into a room and work on it or like what how exactly did was their workflow? Yeah, well, so first the first thing that that like struck me, you know, having done a bunch of sketch shows, uh, you know, these, you know, watching these living legends basically have the same stupid arguments that I've had uh, <laughs> putting together a show uh, right. was was kind of inspiring uh, in that like the process wasn't any different than anything else. I think the way they mostly worked is I, I, I'm about half the show was stuff that they'd done you know a hundred times over the decades, old hits, and then half the show was stuff they brought in. They did table reads, and you know people there were very few major rewrites like uh, you know this you got to rethink the the premise of the scene and it was more just like, Hey, try this line, try that line and kind of, um, uh, small changes. But at least at this stage of their career, you got definitely, I definitely got the sense that, uh, they, 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 they were each kind of in their own silos writing their, their individual pieces. Mm. Uh, Can I ask you, do you feel like that was to the detriment of the growth of their ideas? Like if there's no challenge or pushback or like anything, Like, I, I, I think they, um, there was a weird antagonistic energy in the room. Oh, uh, no. And, but no, in really? like, in, in the All way, the time? in the way that like, if you've been friends with the same people or in the same ensemble uh, with the same right, people for right. 30 years, you know, um, if someone didn't like an idea, the second, you know, when they left the room, someone made a snide comment about, you know, uh, the joke, <laughs> yeah, we're not putting that in. Sure. Uh, and, and so sure. it was more of just like, you know, uh, uh, brotherly or sibling kind of energy. And so I, I think it, you know, like it, it may, it's hard for me to judge cause they're legends and they were my heroes. So I was kind of like, like a deer in headlights for most of it. Um, just trying not to fuck up and, uh, uh upset them, <laughs> you know, and not that they were, you know, they weren't mean to me or like threatening in any way, but I it definitely felt the pressure. So I think it may have, you know, been to the detriment of the of the content, but just watching them kind of get into the nuts and bolts of putting together a show, um, you know, and I'm sure you guys have all done sketch show, tons of tons of sketch shows. So, you know, like at a certain point, the stuff stops being funny and it's it's it becomes like sure. building. It becomes it's like a, uh, you're doing like a carpenter's job or, you know, it's all nuts and bolts. Uh, and that's the stage of the process that I was in. So, um, 
So it may have held back, but I think the part of the process I was in was more of those last second polishes. and um, Right. It's not like you're watching them read anything for the first time. Like, exactly. <laughs> yeah. They're never yeah, going to yeah. be, yeah, like genuinely laughing at something. Yeah. It's not a re- an initial round of pitches. It was more like, I wrote right. the script. It's pretty much done. Is there a better <laughs> right. line here? Uh, or should we, you know, take a pause here uh, kind of stuff? I remember uh, from reading their biography, it definitely seemed like they were never really great friends with each other. They were all just <laughs> like they like there was a, a section about how it, after they got their their pilot picked up by HBO, they didn't they didn't go out and celebrate. They like they all just kind of <laughs> went their separate ways. They never really like. Wow. So even earlier on, so even yeah. like before the show even started, they barely. And, like and there was other. always kind of like an antagonism, like uh, trying to get your trying to get more screen time or stage time and trying yep. to get your piece in, which. Wow. I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, hope one were... day we all know each other long enough to hate mm. one another. <laughs> what do you mean one day? Yeah. <laughs> there, there was definitely like, yeah, there was definitely like that, like, um, uh, you definitely f- simultaneously felt the love, but also like the, the arguing and the backbiting and the, not backstabbing, but, you know, just sni- sniping at each other. And, um, but at the end of the, at, at the end of the day, you know, you could also tell that they'd been, uh, known each other and been friends for a long time. Well, let's uh, let's get into this show. And uh, if if you if you think if you think of anything that uh, reminds you of your time working for them, I certainly bring it up while yeah. we're talking about it. But uh, the day was December fifth, nineteen eighty nine. At the top of the charts in the U.S., we didn't start the fire by Billy Joel. Wow. A classic song for a classic sketch group. I should say that after every song. Well, you'll have another chance because number one, Canada. <laughs> when I See You Smile by Bad English. Wow. Wow. Classic, classic song, song for a classic, for classic sketch, sketch group. Sketch group. <laughs> uh, I've never heard this song. Have you guys? Yeah, I don't know what the song is. Cut when I said that. <laughs> it, it does feel very Canadian. Yeah, it does. But it's bad English. I guess technically Canada is like a bad England. Yeah. <laughs> or the good England. That's true. The nice England. The nice England. Uh, and I usually say what the number one what was number one at the box office, but I guess I didn't write it down. I looked it up, but I didn't write it down. It's got to be come back to you. Oh, War of the Roses. Oh, see, I knew it. <laughs> Jasper, did you okay. see War of the Roses? Uh, I did. I, I, I saw it in the theater for some fucking reason. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to get home and then, and then watch episode five. Yeah. I was, uh, I think, I think one of my mom's weird divorced friends took a bunch of kids to see it. <laughs> well, you, you could have like been. Sounds like the whole sketch. Yeah. You could have been staying at home and watching Kids in the Hall, and you could have been watching this uh, 30 Helens Agree sketch. Let's just go ahead and listen to this one because it's very short. 30 Helens Agree. Tattoos aren't for everyone. But they do help you remember a guy. Oh, Helen. 30 Helens Agree. Tattoos aren't for everyone. Okay, Jasher, what are your thoughts on 30 Helens? We've talked about 30 Helens before because they, they showed up in a couple episodes ago. Do you remember these guys? Oh, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, it's one of the things that, like... The <laughs> Helen, thing about, yeah. The, th- the thing about the... Hell, yeah. <laughs> the, 
the thing about these uh, 30 Helen sketches, well, the thing about this episode, there's a like a handful of like all-time great Kids in the Hall sketches in here and I I I love the 30 Helens, but like watching it now like with with some performance under my belt and like I I'm amazed at how slow it feels uh, and then punctuated by the awkward studio applause. (laughs) Like, like (laughs) it just, it doesn't feel like it lands. Like it's, it's, it's super funny, but I just want it to be faster and louder, but maybe I'm just, my brain's been, (laughs) my, my brain's been warped by, uh, you're the MTV generation. I'm the MTV generation. Yeah. Yeah. You Uh, want Carson Daly to show up and start getting things down. I feel like, uh, I agree with that as a whole, honestly. Across the board, you get the sense. But I, I, I think that's just a thing where it's, it's old, and that's just yeah. how everything was. But, I mean, I agree. When you're, when you're watching a show that, that when this aired, it does feel like every sketch. It's like, okay, like, just like, let's go. Let's move it along. Yeah. Um, as far as this Helen's, I love it. I like the, the beat idea to have a Helen talk to a Helen. That didn't happen the last Helen's. And having them converse with each other. Oh, Helen. That mm-hmm. made me laugh, and uh, I really like this one. They they took it up a notch for the second round. They really yeah. kicked it up a notch, like Emerald style. Yeah, bam. <laughs> yeah, that's right, bam. That's right. That's right, bam. <laughs> <laughs> um, I disagree with you both. I thought this was paced Ooh. very well. I, of course, that's mm-hmm. my role to always stick up for the kids and all. Amay, did you have any thoughts on it? Um, I it made me think of this guy who I had sex with a bunch of times, and I didn't notice until like really late in the game that he had a Bart Simpson tattoo on his <laughs> ass cheek. <laughs> so I was like, this is the first time Helen's the Helen's advice has ever like not worked for me. I don't have a cow or I caramba. It was of Bart Simpson. It wasn't just a quote. Like... Oh, just a, just a portrait. Just a, just a, portrait. a solemn yeah. portrait. Oh, okay. Yes, he was very sad looking. Now, I've never been in that exact, <laughs> exact situation. I've never been in that exact situation, but is that like a thing that is that like a sixth sense moment where suddenly retroactively you realize the whole time he's been dead? Yes. You know, I dug be... him up. I had sex with him, and he had this weird tattoo. Yeah. You know, what would be kind of cool, kind of cool tattoo to get on your butt would be uh, Calvin peeing in your butthole. Well, that's just like sexy. <laughs> You know, ever seen, this is like a very obscene, but have you ever seen the tattoo where it's like a woman's labia is Homer Simpson's mouth? I have what? seen that. I have seen that. <laughs> wait, well, wait a second. Wait, it's a tattoo of a labia that's Homer Simpson, or it's a tattoo of Homer Simpson over a labia? The latter. Uh, the latter, okay. Okay. I just... <laughs> yeah, that'd be funny if it was next to your vagina and it just, you yeah, drew yeah. in the labia for some reason. Yeah, that's... <laughs> so you were almost there. <laughs> Well, uh, Jastro, what do you think of the... I, I asked this to people that, that watched Kids and All growing up. Did you think that this intro, this uh, opening theme song and, and this footage of them wandering around Toronto, do you think, did you think that was like the coolest thing in the world when you were a kid? Oh, oh absolutely. I mean, I think, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, this was... Uh, this was right like, answer for Nick. You got to understand, man, back in 1989, the, the surf rock, no one, no one ever heard surf rock before. <laughs> They hadn't heard it in 50 years at yeah. least. Yeah, it was very hip. It was, it was very like indie film, uh, you know. Was, you knew that you weren't going to about to get, you know, your dad's sketch, sketch comedy, comedy. Show. yeah. <laughs> so what was is that, Flip like Dick Wilson. Van Dyke? Yeah, <laughs> your show of shows. Yeah. Lucy, yeah. yeah. 
Um, okay, well, thank you for confirming my uh, opinion of the opening theme song. Yeah. So then the first uh, true sketch is the board robber sketch. And let me play the uh, line that kind of sets it up. Okay, homeowner, you're being robbed. Oh, great. Where's all your valuables? Everything's over there on the shelves. It's so far. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, well. I forget who was talking about this sketch earlier. Was it, it was you? me. Amay, what, what, you thought this was bad? Well, I, I guess what I thought when I was watching it, I was like, the premise is really clear, and I think that... Um, you know, I'm poisoned by the UCB mindset in Providence sketch, and I find in a lot of their sketches, I'm often like waiting for a justification. Mm. Like, why is this happening? And maybe you don't need to know, and it's just like, this is the world where everyone's apathetic, and it's an apathetic robbery, or, <laughs> you know, it's like, and they're all like consistent, like they do all the beats that they would do if they were this type of person, but it really reminded me, yeah, of an improv scene where they like pick a weird behavior and stick with it and nobody ever says why right. why or like i know your I, wife broke up with you and you don't care about anything anymore yeah. no i don't even mean that it's Dave just like Foley. it's this weird world no, i know what you mean yeah but it's like okay i guess this is what would happen if the world were like this no. <laughs> it didn't really and now now right. so i'm not like i'm not like ucb uh, uh, I didn't go through UCB and stuff like that, but it, it feels okay, to me well, like you didn't tell me that. You want to cut them? You okay. want to cut them off? I'll just yeah, shut. Yeah. I'll just shut off my. Uh, <laughs> but but it seems to me like the effect I noticed, having started you know improv and sketch in the early two thousands and you know up until now, is that uh, you know that that emphasis on base reality is you know can can be interpreted very narrowly. And, uh, you know, so so as you guys were saying, there is no like there is the, the straight man in this sketch is the basically how how well the actors are selling this universe. And that's a tricky thing to pull off because you need to be a really good right. comedic performer to, to make that ground uh, to make that grounded enough that people will buy it. Um, am I making sense? Sorry. Yeah, totally. I think so? I think yeah. I think that it's, you know, the straight I. I see what you're because to me there sort of was no straight man. So I, yeah. I I see what you're saying. Like yeah, that was the straight man element, and I I agree with you, Mike. That it's like when you have that premise and you have that setup, and there's no traditional straight man. Like you have to, especially since the premise is like they're over it, right? Like they're mm -hmm. over robberies and they don't care about this. Like you have to find something to latch on to performance wise. Yeah. To you know show some either energy or commitment like it's it's frustrating because they do this a lot they have these fun premises where the characters like either are over it or don't give a shit or they're pissed or they're tired and like usually they lean into it sometimes and have a cartoony like oh no no and like that's okay yeah. this time i feel like i'm watching just guys who are just <laughs> i don't know not giving a shit and i know that's the point but it's like there has to be something else there also to a maze point it's like if there's no reason why and then there's no straight man and then nothing else is happening and they're just not caring the whole time yeah i just was needing another element i guess i think it's interesting that you're like saying the performance is the voice of reason in a sketch i think that's an interesting way to think yeah. about it but i also agree kind of with jared that it's a difficult performance to make yeah. that happen in because the whole point of the performance is like fuck this <laughs> kind of right well, they're they're all like naturally funny people. So no matter how they act, no matter how they 
perform, they're going to end up being funny, but they're not, it doesn't feel like in their performances that they're compared to other sketches, uh, intentionally trying to push. They're not trying to be funny bored. They're trying to be actually bored. Uh, mm-hmm. and that, that anchors, uh, that, that creates some sort of base reality, uh, for the scene. I think but there, were, all... there were definitely a couple moments I liked, like uh, the fight. Yeah, the Nick, you, I see steam coming out of your ear. So if you yeah. want to just, I I, lo- I love this fight between the cop and uh, and uh, I like when he yeah. said scramble and they all scramble. Yeah. 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 that was good. I I, I liked uh, Scott Thompson grabbing onto the handcuff at the end, like, like yeah, like he would hold a hand. I thought that That's was a funny cool. gag. Yeah, I really like this scene. Uh, so, so even though I'm like kind of analyzing it, it's not like coming from a place of like, this sucks. Uh, but you can kind of tell like, you know, the lack of a, a straight man, you can kind of feel that as the, as the end of the scene with a lot, with a lot of the scenes in this, uh, this episode, the end of the scene just kind of like, you know, it doesn't really end on a, <laughs> it doesn't end on a button. It just kind of like does the slow fizzle the, the, yeah the, the slow fizzle uh but but one of the things you know in their earlier episodes i noticed because uh, I, I think i did a rewatch of of their stuff before like their their early season one episodes are you can tell their stage performers uh mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to do a tv show and so like i feel like this scene mm. works much better you know in a theater uh, environment uh than mm. necessarily on t I, th- I feel like in video or tv you know it needs to be a little faster pace the premises maybe have to be more clear uh in general that's you know this like you know if you're if you're in a theater packed with people that are there to see comedy and you know i think you can m- this this scene might hit a little harder uh live in an actual theater yeah i agree with that i, I could definitely that. see that yeah. Well, what was that moment where they he he puts the hand in his face and he can't walk past the hand? Oh yeah, that was good. It, it, that was self defense. Yeah, he said he, he learned a, a he, had, he knew yeah. his self defense technique that was impossible oh, to. Right. To, uh, okay. I guess that's on game then. I just remember it was funny, but I was like, where is this coming from? But I guess that sort of that works. Self defense and robbery and yeah. Okay. His self defense technique was just holding up his hand. Yes. and he couldn't get past it. Uh, but then eventually he slapped it away. Okay, well, let's move on to the second sketch, which is, uh, the, I don't want to say the name of it. <laughs> <laughs> don't. The Running F Word. This is a song about a great folk hero. Running free, running free, running faggot. Running faggot, running free. See the faggot, see the running faggot. Running faggot, running free. Howdy, stripling. Howdy, faggot. Well, what can I do for you? My puppy's hungry. I don't know what to do. Mm. Why not try feeding it puppy food? Good idea, faggot. Why don't you stick around and see the results? Nope. Got to be hitching a ride on the wind. But, you know, I mean, Scott Thompson, I'm sure pitched and wrote this and i, I know i mean i personally it. don't think it's offensive for him to have come up with this concept of no. about himself on his own but i do think the way it would be staged now they would never let like this group of straight guys say that over and over again to they him. they did this in their uh austin show i guess i can't remember it must have been 2014 they they actually i guess i mean like live. if it was like a new oh group. yeah 100 percent. i mean yes. yeah they're gonna do whatever they want especially at a live show like people yeah. are much more lenient than that but i don't think you would see this on like snl or something well, I, I guess 
I guess I was just kind of piggybacking <laughs> on what you said. I was like, my mind was blown. I'm like, oh, they're really going to do this in 2014? <laughs> <laughs> How did the audience react? Do you remember? Yeah. Oh, well, so, so here's, here's a fun anecdote. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I kick myself every time I think about this. Uh, so for the actual, so I helped them all week put together this show. And I was, they were like, well, we'll see you at the show. And I'm like, I can't go to the show. I have my own show. You didn't wow. go? <laughs> no, I had to go to my own stupid improv Wait, what, show. What was this? Sh- it was just like the, the improv show. That's uh, that's wild. Well, it was like a cat. It was a cash show sold out. It was it was it wasn't just like a you know, you know. It, it was it was. Uh, a, was it part of Moon Tower, the Moon Tower Comedy Festival? Kids in the Hall was yeah. Then, but I your show it. wasn't. No, 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 it wasn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank but, you for clarifying, Nick. <laughs> my my show. Uh, I, I, I thought that would have been like a good reason. Your to... show was less than, right, yeah. Mike? Yeah, no, it was. Uh, I mean, it was sold out. There were forty people in the audience. <laughs> now, was part of you thinking like I want to look and seem and sound cool when I tell them no, I have a show, or did you just it was just truly you had you were obligated to do this show? Well, it was a little bit of both. I mean, I, I don't like bailing on shows. I had a lot of fun. Uh, th- I wouldn't say that the show was good improv, but um, it was one of those shows. Uh, in fact, the show was actively bad improv, but it was one of those shows that I I specifically got to be very funny in. Uh, so <laughs> uh, I have a deep, deep insecurity, and so I need that shot of adrenaline. Uh, so sure. So, but it definitely was like when I told them, and it was polite, it was friendly. You could definitely see their blank face look like, really? <laughs> it's kind of like ours right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh? Um, well, it's, so we should describe this sketch a little bit. So it's yeah. it's uh it's basically a folk hero song and yeah, kind of like Davy Crockett, like Davy Crockett. And as far as I can tell, he just gives good advice to people, yeah. <laughs> runs from place to place. Scott Thompson and has then the, at the end, F word. Yes, and at the end, he gets hate crimed and runs away from that. Bye bye, rednecks. Yeah, and yeah. this is this is a sketch they they did live. <laughs> the R word, Nick. The R word. What? Rednecks? Oh, the, right. Okay. Come on. I see. They, We're going to be... <laughs> yeah, that, that, that didn't work. I realized as I said R word, I was like, there's a different R word. Yeah. They did the sketch live at at like uh, at the... When they were... Before Mark and Bruce were hired for SNL, they did a showcase for Lauren Michaels and, and, uh, and Al Franken and some other SNL people. And they, this was one of the sketches they did. And apparently it did not go over well. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Mark and Bruce were still hired as writers for SNL and uh, do do you guys feel that because it's like I I, I, look I don't mind that it's you know it's coming from 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 Scott so it's I I get it and I don't mind that if it's offensive on that level but were you guys distracted at all by the fact that like the comedy really did seem to totally hinge on just using the word over and over again I mean that was clearly every joke was just saying it in an otherwise normal sentence and did that just like, I, I get the source, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah, but why am I laughing really? Well, exactly. I think it, in, in 1989. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, well, that, you know what I mean. Why should I, I be laughing? I would say in 1989, that was more uh, groundbreaking and unexpected. I'm, I'm quoting somebody from the, from the, from the biography says, uh, so there were some shows where the audience was packed with a few frat boys who just couldn't get with a scene like running F word. But you know, Scott was only doing what Lenny Bruce had done years before him. Scott was extremely brave. I, I don't that maybe that wasn't worth reading, but I, I did think this was maybe like uh, funny in the way that Lenny Bruce was funny, which is just he was pushing boundaries and doing stuff that people weren't doing at that point. Yeah, I mean, I understand. I think 
I think I can understand where he's coming from. I think sometimes like making a joke about your identity that's often used against you uh, is satisfying to you, even right. if it's making everyone else uncomfortable. <laughs> and no, I think there is sense. just makes there sense. is just something kind of funny about the idea of a folk hero called uh, the running F word. Sure. I, I think it is. The song the funny. song is so unbelievably catchy, and I remember as a kid having this <laughs> stuck in my head. Uh, like <laughs> and and not, you know, you know, it was more acceptable to say that word uh, when I was a kid. Uh, oh, but, so you're just <laughs> Yeah, so no, well, I mean I I didn't you but also like, you know, back then um you didn't you weren't exposed to gay people you wouldn't get called out for it or yeah yeah right you, you, i i didn't meet a i mean i met a gay person before before then but i didn't but no one came out of the closet as gay until in my high school 19 like my senior year so 1996 so like where did you grow up uh connecticut uh yeah. and so so like you know the idea of there being an out gay person on television uh, I don't really have a point. It was just, you know, it was, <laughs> it was transgressive anyway to have an out gay person on television and be open about, about that. And so I think this is just kind of, you know, mo- most of the sketches that he did that kind of uh, played with his identity and uh, uh, sexuality were, were, it felt dangerous. I think yeah. uh, when I was watching it as a kid, yeah. it felt, felt, uh, yeah. Transgressive. Yeah. It is dangerous. easy to forget when these things aired. I mean, <laughs> that, that is like a gigantic part of the context, yeah. uh, whether it's them being bold or whether it's it being offensive or not. It's like, that's almost everything is when it went on. So, yeah. Well, should we move on to the second 30 Helens? Yeah. Well, let's all sing sure. the song and then <laughs> <laughs> 29 Helens agree. I just wish Helen Fournier felt that way. I was going to say that it seems like um, the Helens are turning on each other at this point. Like, <laughs> like they used to always be on the same page. With the two Helens sketches here, it's like they're at loggerheads. <laughs> Is it- I, yeah, I, but I thought it was fun how they were kind of like subverting the format a little bit. Yeah, totally. we were, I think on the, in the when we when they did the Thirty Helens in the previous episode, we we did kind of think one of the notes from Jared, I believe, was that. Uh, they were, they were all too similar. So I hope you're happy now, Jared. <laughs> yeah, I like happy to give now, Jared. <laughs> Speaking is... of happy, Nick, were you were you unhappy? Were you were you uncomfortable when you saw this sketch? Because you you are infamous for your tardiness, <laughs> and and this was <laughs> this was kind of calling attention to that. Did were you pissed when you saw this? Or I was furious. <laughs> <laughs> I was fuming. Uh, no, I forgot. That, I forgot that I was known for being late. <laughs> That's because yeah, you're, you're, pretty, you're like very punctual on Zoom. I'll say that you're <laughs> yeah. organizing us very well. I, yeah, I underestimate the time it takes to get around on, on the subway. I think is is the main thing. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a hard skill to master. Does it bother anyone with that 30 Helen sketch that there wasn't a third beat in this episode? Yes. Yes. I was like, where is she? Where are they? And it's because, I mean, we'll get to it, but one of these sketches was nine minutes long. One of these sketches is like a short film. Oh, my Lord. I was about that way. I wrote that down, too. I mean, is this a short film? I'm watching a short film. Uh, Um, We're not quite there yet. This next sketch is called Flogging, and uh, it's another businessman sketch. And uh, basically, it's... I would say this one is almost a short film. This one is more of a short film than the one. This you guys one are for me, about. it was like went from like a kinky film 
sex fantasy to like a body horror movie. You know, it was uh, it went through a lot of stages in a short well, period. So it's two businessmen played by Dave Foley and Kevin McDonald who are kind of uh, harried and uh, they're having a, a busy day. And so they take a break and go to the gym and uh, are flogged by a large man with uh, yeah. they're whipped until mm-hmm. their blood, their backs are bloody. That's basically I, the I, sketch. <laughs> it is basically the sketch. In retrospect, I was kind of uh, surprised that they put this in with the uh, sketch at the end, the short film yeah. sketch that we're talking mm-hmm. about, because it's very both sketches almost back to back. They do wow. a lot of businessman sketches, but it Very is. I wrote, I wrote like they hate businessmen yeah. so much. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of these two I, I mean, it's, you know, I don't mind. Like some of the observations they make are fun and it is kind of this fun, you know, punk kind of sort of fuck the man attitude, I guess. But it is to have two very like generic <laughs> direct references to businessmen in general uh, struck me as odd. To me, the funniest thing in this sketch by far was McCullough coming out of the shower for no reason. I know, I noticed that too. I was like, did they cut out a beat or something? Like, why Why have him do that? Long <laughs> for like yeah. a half second. That made me laugh so much. When Dave, when Dave, we, haven't, we haven't seen him in that episode yet, have we? That was the first oh, time. No, I he was in the running, the running F word. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's right. But yeah, when when Dave and Kevin are are uh, at the locker room in the gym, yeah. they're changing, and just in the background, Bruce McCullough just walks into frame That's wearing a towel. So, for no I reason. mean, I assume that was just an intentional joke, right? Because to me, that is very funny to just do that. <laughs> I, I, I think it's know. just I don't know. I don't know. I, I assumed it was just to give context to the location, but maybe it was an intentional joke. Yeah, but they could have anybody do that. Yeah, they could have anybody to have his shirt off, like and like nod and smile and be on screen for a half second. It, it, it felt intentional. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you guys. Just, just a, a, a weird sketch. It must be weird to watch in, uh, the audience to have to kind of, you know, I assume they shoot this on stage in front of them and then they show them on video and then they go back and lights up the stage and it just must be an odd experience to, to, to watch. I guess, I guess the, the taping. I guess they don't like to do blackout sketches uh, for television, huh? Because this would be in a perfect blackout. Like, let's go to the gym. Oh, I'm so stressed out at work. Let's go to the gym. Whip, mm. you know, lights. <laughs> next, next scene. I, I mean, I feel yeah, that way about a bunch of sketches. You want to see all the pouring into a drain? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. They usually you want to black- see the lashes again? Yeah. <laughs> I guess I don't, that was... a, I don't need a denouement in this uh, sketch. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. That was in all the, like, we did see the blood going down the drain and, and yeah. their horror, horrific backs. But, uh, yeah, they usually do have a blackout sketch in every episode. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, this one would have been better as a blackout. But I, I don't know. Maybe they were just. I think this is their version the of a blackout sometimes. Yeah. Like. Still right, it's long. one beat, but they just do a ton of shit to just color in details, I guess, <laughs> for, for fun. They, they See, these two really don't like the kids in the hall. That's not true. I really liked, I would say, half of these sketches. Yeah. I did like that. I mean, I like Joshua, you were saying you used the phrase tone poem. I think the sketches like make me think about a lot of different things, especially when we talk about them, and that is probably to the benefit of my mental health. So yeah. thank you, Kids in the Hall. But I, I mean, I think it's like fun to talk about why things work for you and why they yeah. don't and what people are going for. And I don't like that we often like end in a critical place, but yeah. sometimes, <laughs> yeah, it's just like trying to put yourself in this completely yeah. different time and approach to comedy. And I think it's against the presumption that like, you know, 
this is obviously a, a fantastic sketch team yeah. making like a really kind of you know historic sketch show. I mean, they're Mike's heroes for God's sake. We should try to at least <laughs> treat them with a kind of implied reverence, which I think we do. You know, it's like we're criticizing them as as I may said, like as we're watching it now. But it's like you know. It's not like we think they suck. I think that would be short-sighted to to take that that, away. On that flogging sketch, I'll say that I I don't think it totally worked. I think it was too long. But I thought it was a really weird idea and a funny idea, and I'm glad that they were doing stuff like that. Also, also like, uh, and again, I kind of said this earlier, I do think they get better at being on television and writing for television as the seasons go on, like if when, once you guys get up to like season three, uh, you yeah. know, the sketches a year from a, now or so, a, yeah, a year from now when you guys <laughs> are at season three, I, um, you know, I don't, I don't think you have the same kind of like, Oh, this sketch went on too long. Uh, everything felt it, everything feels more dense. Uh, yeah. As, as you go on based on my recollection, it's been years since I've really watched, you know, watched this obsessively, but that's my memory of it too. And I, and they, and they brought on more writers too, which probably, mm-hmm. Uh, change change the tone of the sketch of the show a little bit too. Um, okay, so then this next one is a monologue by Mark McKinney called "The Trucker." I started with one truck, one truck, you know. But I worked hard and I saved every cent. And when I I had enough money, I bought another truck. My wife drove one, and I drove the other one. <laughs> we worked 365 days a year, day and night. Sure, we were tired, but we delivered. That's what people remember. And when we found that we had enough money, we bought another truck. And it was about, uh, well, five months after that, we bought another truck. I had four trucks. I didn't know what to think of this one. I neither did I, man. Neither did I. I think Mark McKinney just likes to do these characters that are not necessarily funny. They're just like his idea of a specific person that he wants to bring to life. And I think that's fine. Like... I don't think the point is to be funny, honestly, watching this. And as, but it did make me laugh. Well, at the very end, there's just this wild applause from the audience. Yeah. For the <laughs> yes. truck man. And I was like, there's no way that that is really the audience response. Hit the sign. For God's yeah. sake, yeah. hit the sign. <laughs> the, the, apl- the applause sign is doing a lot of heavy lifting in this. Well, I think, like, for me, it's just like, this is a great character and a great premise it just needs to heighten more or explore uh the the other nuances uh, what you would know you what say I mean? the more places yeah not not to be like confrontational but what confrontational not to like be yeah. uh hey no let's wait, get into wait. it to make you put you on the spot <laughs> yeah what what do you say what what do you think the premise is because i wasn't sure what the premise well, well, was. well i think the game of this character that he's going for is like um well i so it's hard for me to articulate let me see if i can i can do this because i i don't think the premise is like like, oh, this ice cream salesman sells melted ice cream. Like that, what a shitty premise. Uh, the, you know, but <laughs> I'll I, write that. I, I think it's a, yeah, I think it's more of like uh, this character thinks the this character is so proud of his very mundane job, he doesn't realize how mundane and stupid it is, right? So it's a focus on like mm-hmm. that, that like, oh, I bought another truck. And like, this is this guy's, mm. um, so so like the, the base reality is how proud this guy guy is of his work. But the absurdity is how dumb, you know, and meaningless his work is, right? A little yeah. bit of the same idea of the businessman. It's like yeah. kind of just belittling and satirizing yeah. people who think they're important. Exactly. Yeah. They're uh, that's, not. That's, they don't care about their shit. That's and, a good I, way of summing it up. And, and I think like I, I, like the, the truck is kind of like the anchor beat of that game. 
the him mentioning trucks, but I think there was more places to explore outside of that and then come back to the truck. But all he did was hit the truck thing over and over again. So that's why it felt like it wasn't heightening. It was just kind of like the same joke over and over again, if that makes sense. Let me read a little bit from uh, the biography that I always quote, uh, One Dumb Guy by Paul Myers. Uh, while McCullough's characters were often vessels for his social commentary, Mark McKinney worked the other way around. For him, characters were the engine driving the scene. McKinney preferred to jam out a character for hours before nah, giving that character like <laughs> yeah, before giving that character a context <laughs> for a scene. When you find the character, the scene will click, says McKinney. For ex- for ex- <laughs> okay. For example, we wrote Sick of the Swiss in just 10 minutes one morning after Scott and I had been jamming out the characters. So, that Sick of the Swiss was a an infamous sketch that everybody hated, I think. Mm. Jamming out the character, that sounds yeah. perverted. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I feel like you can kind of, that, that all makes sense here in a, in a, in a negative way <laughs> to me. It's like, it feels like they don't have a sketch. It just feels I mean, like I, I guess I, I've like come to approach, <laughs> you know, the way you guys both described what his what he's doing here, mocking this man's small life. I was like, that's so McKinney, because a lot of his characters are just like full of contempt, like full of negativity. Mm. Um, but I actually, watching it, even though it was not making me laugh, and I, you know, I didn't really get it as a comedic premise, it did like suck me into the universe of this person. Like I was very present with him and his like truck saga. Yeah. <laughs> and at the very end, yeah. when he talks about selling um, a truck to an 18 year old was like an act of like yeah. grace. I was like, that 18-year-old's going to come and take over your truck empire. Like, I believe <laughs> this truck I, character. It felt like a, a yeah, rich, point. real world, real character. Yeah, yeah. As, as much as I complain about them not committing sometimes and giving weird, sketchy performances, like, there's one thing about McKinney is, like, he is super committed to McKinney all of is, his performances. I think he's the best actor of the bunch. So it's like, yeah, like, Amay, you were saying, it's like, you're just kind of drawn in. Like, you're not laughing. You're just like, yeah. And then, like, and then you saw, what else happened to the truck? Like, I, it's like, wait, why do I give a shit about this at all? And when it ends, you just like, did, what did I just watch? I was, I was so confused when this is over. Uh, yeah. But I watched it all. But let's, let's move on to this uh, final scene, which is the nine minute long scene, uh, half, wow, half uh, live and half uh, filmed. Um, yeah, we don't want to save a whole episode just for the sketch. I feel like we can <laughs> um, easily do that. <laughs> I want to say about this sketch: the first thing that happened in the episode to make me laugh out loud happened in this sketch. <laughs> well, okay, um, so it's called "Can I Keep Him?" and it's about uh, Bruce McCullough playing a, a young boy who uh, adopts a businessman named, who comes to the name Mister Stevenson as uh, as his pet. Uh, so, what was the, what was the first thing that you laughed at at me? I don't know. I want you to guess what you think it was in the sketch that made me laugh out loud. I bet Jared will guess. Can I guess? Uh, yeah. Uh, even though I don't Everybody guess. Let's, well. let's start yeah, with Jasher. Everyone take a guess. Yeah. This will be a new segment. Yeah. What did Amay laugh at? Jasher, what, <laughs> what do you think? We need more segments. Uh, I'm gonna say, and maybe this is a this is just a window into like this is, I, I don't know why this is one of my all-time favorite lines, and I completely forgot about it until I heard it again t- uh, today when I watched this. Was the uh, I've been making toast soup for weeks. Uh, I don't know, <laughs> but it's such a dumb. That wasn't that, but I did note that moment because the audience completely doesn't laugh at that. Yeah. And I just thought it was so funny because yes. it is a funny line. I think I've heard that song and dance before, young man. Remember the short order cook you brought home? 
He was between things, oh, oh, oh. Mom. Kept me up all night making toast. He thought he was in a truck stop. I'm still making toast soup. And I love your toast soup, Mom. Oh. I'm going to get some right Corey, now. Corey, I... Yeah, yeah they, I... like, don't laugh at all. <laughs> They laugh at every other line except for the toast soup line, which was. I, I have another funny. line that they didn't laugh at. That maybe well, wait, even wasn't wait, supposed wait. to be a joke. Jared, Go Jared, ahead, first Nick. let's I'll first wait. let's first yeah. let's get to your guess of what made a May laugh. Well, this is my guess actually. Okay, this okay. is my guess because uh, I do feel like a May does pick up on a lot of jokes that aren't laughed at by the audience, or maybe that's just me. But I think it's a May too. Um, right in the beginning, when uh, he says, "Hey, you know, hey, mom," and she. she Thompson says something like, you know, did something happen at school today? And he goes, no, no. Hey, mom. <laughs> he goes, yeah. And he goes, something happened after school today. <laughs> <laughs> no, that wasn't it. <laughs> oh, nuts. Wait, let, let's well, go that made play me that. laugh. Either that or maybe, can I have one more guess? Wait, wait, wait. Let's play that one first. Hi, Corey. <laughs> How was school? Oh, good. Good. Anything special happen? No. No. Well, Mom. Yeah. Something happened after school today. Oh God, I knew it. Are you? <laughs> I thought that was very funny too. Jared, let oh, me give, go ahead and good. give my guess first, uh, which is. So, Mom, I was yes. thinking. Do you think it would be a really good idea, or is it okay, Mom? Yes. Can I keep Mr. Stevenson? Oh. No, not that. That's not it, man. <laughs> that's just the premise to the sketch Nick. I just like that I know, do you think like it could... I just like it was a mom do you think it could be a good idea or maybe could it be okay I don't know I thought it was very funny right. like a very kid I think kid-like you really love read. Bruce McCullough playing a little boy there. I do I really do love that I don't think, I think he's and he does a great funny. job in this he even like brings the emotion at the end when he's setting Mr. Stevenson free I, <laughs> yeah. I don't think I can think of uh, a single person who plays a little kid better than Bruce McCullough like that's this is just like you know uh uh, slam dunk and he's a tiny I mean, man my, he's a tiny my, man so my it, next it guess works. i got two guesses um <laughs> is that uh the, the first image of the tie on the business bank being tied to a fence no but that was good i mean there are a lot of details in the sketch they're just insanely long which we've mentioned yeah so there's it's a lot of like funny moments it's, it's just yeah. like also a lot of extraneous moments Hit but us the with thing it. that really made me laugh out loud is when at the very end, he gets the oatmeal Whoa, replacement pet <laughs> and puts it on his shoulder. <laughs> that got me. That got me. Good. I guess I didn't think. That I guess I didn't think it would be the very last thing to show. <laughs> that was the first. I guess the very first. I in there to the end, and I was rewarded with the oatmeal turn. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Bruce. Uh, gives up the businessman and, and Scott Thompson as, as his mother gives him a new pet, which is a box of oatmeal. Cooked uh, cooked oatmeal. Cooked oatmeal. <laughs> Very funny. No, I agree. I like that part too. I love, I, I, another thing that got me was uh, uh, Kevin McDonald uh, when, when they did the slow pan across like the kids enjoying popsicles or whatever and then a Kevin, the, the look on Kevin McDonald's face when he's drinking that martini of like, I, I can't even describe, he's like Oh, thank God. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Like, he was like, uh, yeah. yeah, parched. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, uh, there's so many little moments in this sketch that so really did, did we all, did we all like this sketch? Because oh, I, I, I really it. liked it. I, I liked mean, it. I, I mean, I could not freaking believe how long it was. It was like... insanely long. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Mr. Stevenson 2 was the name of the oatmeal, by the way. And I thought yeah. that, that was funny, too. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I really loved, uh, I think, Foley and McKinney, like, acting as businessmen, you at know, in end, front yeah. of that office at the end. I was a little uh, confused as to why there was none of that from McDonald and... He was alone. He was without his other business. And silent. And, and well, well, I, yes. Okay. He was alone. You're right. But I, I guess I, I just, uh, no, but yeah, he could have been, he could have been just like rely on all these sight gags and some physical gags for his businessman stuff. When like he, he could have been saying, well, well, the the montage, the montage was, there was no, there was no dialogue in the whole montage. Right. But his character uh, was, has no dialogue the whole time until maybe right, the end, right, right. The scenes at the beginning, I feel like he could have been like saying, you know, uh, stock market, you know, right, uh, totally business card. Like you know, he could even just if it was shouting. just exclamations that were like analogous to barks or something, like just to kind yeah. of give him something a little bit more. I don't know why they. Maybe they just thought dogs don't talk. He won't talk. But I mean, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe it was just yeah, heightening. That's true. Like maybe they just wanted to build towards that. Yeah, just save yeah. that. Right. Yeah. yeah. I do like in the very beginning where he's like, he answers to Mr. Stevenson and she says, Mr. Stevenson. And he like yeah. is activated and runs up <laughs> yeah. there with a card. <laughs> um, yeah, Thompson is really funny in this sketch. Really, yeah. really good performance. Uh, every performance I thought was really good. Uh, and the premise, you know, is like so simple, but I, I love those. Just well-executed, simple premises, I think, make the best sketches. Just too this long, is, I guess, but enjoyable the whole time. See, I don't think it was too long because I think it worked. I think they yeah no it did and it work. was it was like too you know they they had the the basic sketch which is he adopts a businessman and then they had like this kind of montage which is like a you know the the a, a film piece of uh, him spending time with I the thought they were in the tent they, maybe a little too long they they rang I would cut that part they they were, they wrung every possible if then out of this premise uh, which I liked. <laughs> right. Uh, well, yeah. let me read a quick uh, passage from the biography again. Uh, this, so this is wow! You're really hitting up the bio. Huge, up, Nick. <laughs> is there it's only one biography? I feel like we need another one. There actually is read. another. Someone did write another biography, but it's not as it's it's more. This one actually has like they he actually talked to the kids in the hall. The other ones just kind of sourcing oh. interviews and stuff. Not the only kids in the hall biography. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. They had the same problem. I looked it up. No one wrote a biography. <laughs> And I also I also read sometimes from Bruce McCullough's memoirs, but okay. So uh, McCullough's time studying business at Mount Royal College. So that's I guess you guys probably know that he was in business school for a while. Yeah. Wow. Wait. I wonder he hates businessmen so much. I mean, that uh, explains let, the, the entire yeah. oeuvre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. It left him fascinated with office life. The obsessive animal nature of the corporate world was reflected in the way his businessmen characters would sniff each other out like dogs while handing out business cards in the scene, Can I Keep Him? Where a young boy finds a local businessman in the wild and brings him home like a stray dog. Growing up, says McCullough, the antidote to being a punk was becoming a successful businessman. I remember taking some public relations courses with all these people in a room talking and saying nothing. I found it really humorous. So uh, it's just a little bit of the inspiration behind the sketch. We like to throw in some facts in the show, Jastro, so, so give people some context. No, it's so really side you. It's important because so far it's all been opinions, and uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. we don't support our worthless, thesis. worthless opinions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we love sharing our opinions yeah. that we hope never gets back to any of the members. Of the <laughs> <laughs> Guys, if you're listening to this, I didn't mean yeah. it. <laughs> well, Man, if they're not only listening but made it this far. Yeah, you hung in fuck there. It, I don't fuck know it. Why. I mean everything I said. Fuck it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you guys want to know like you guys want to know like the, the, uh, 
the saddest in that like the mo- maybe the most delusional moment of of my life uh when they announced the Amazon uh, show uh, reboot, I, I had a thought for a split second. I like, guess they didn't like me as a writing assistant. <laughs> 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 it was such a delusion. <laughs> it was just such a pathetic, delusional thought uh, that crept into my head. <laughs> you can't resist yeah, them. They can't yeah. resist them. Right. Whenever that was. So. I hope we don't I, offend all our prior writer's assistants. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably what they were thinking when they stabbed. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the end of the episode. Um, thanks for talking with us about Jastro. Do you have any, yeah. other, any closing thoughts on the kids and all you want to say? Well, uh, you know, they're legends for a reason. And despite all of our <laughs> criticism, uh, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, And uh, to, 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 to write a, a TV show every week with fresh material uh, is a is a difficult thing, and I think they Amen. nailed it. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. I do think that we're also talking about the nature of criticism in this podcast sometimes true. Yeah. because I like, like it. I I do wonder sometimes what the point of criticism is, but also like what's the point of something that's just fawning and constantly talking yeah. about how great something is. It's hard well, with comedy. The point like is I life feel, is pointless. Yeah. Life is completely always. And that's you should the do point. Whatever you want. But but so so much of this stuff has evolved and uh, yes. changed uh, in some good ways and in some some bad ways, and so like it's fun watching this like and especially with people who actually like uh, to, to whatever, whatever de- degree uh, we get to do it with the actual people who make comedy and think about this stuff, maybe on a deeper level, it's kind of fun to go back to the stuff that we appreciated as fans. But now like looking at it, like as people who actually make stuff, like um, getting to analyze it that way is good, I guess is I, <laughs> my, my thought fizzled out like a kids in the hall sketch. <laughs> <laughs> It does Perfect. inspire me to like just embrace what you think and enjoy in a yeah. more expansive way because there are definitely some stuff that's like, oh, this is just for the writer, just for the performer, yeah. and yeah. not for the audience. Oh, yeah, that's so much of the kids in the hall is just yeah. for the writers and just for the performers. But I love it. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us, Jastro. And yeah. uh, you have your podcast, Victrola, the improvised sketch comedy podcast. Is there anything else you want to? Plug, yeah, uh, if you got yeah, Victrola improvised sketch comedy podcast on a, on now on our seventh season. Uh, find us wherever you get oh. podcasts, and then also uh, if you're uh, want to come camp in Utah, I'm currently working a minimum wage job at a campground uh, <laughs> in Utah. Aspen. Wow, send me the deed. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> I'll hook you guys up with the free campground. <laughs> yeah, that's a twenty four dollar yeah. value. <laughs> it's only one night. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only one night. Check out at 10 a.m. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much. And uh, thank you, Michael. Thank you, guys. And we'll. Uh, I guess I'm. I officially. Bye. Is that, is that the word you're trying to think of? Keep keep crushing those heads. <laughs> keep crushing those heads, people. <laughs>